Emerald Audio. I'm completely delighted that that Zibby Owens is joining us today um, to have a little chat about Rainbow Girl and some of the inspiration behind it. So for those of you who have listened, um, you may want to know some of the backstory and no one better than Zibby to talk to about this. Zibby, welcome. I am so honored that you selected me to talk to you about this. Thanks, Jane. Pleasure. Oh, um, okay. Why? How did we get here? What made you decide to to start not only a podcast network, but to take Rainbow Girl and make it into your very first show? Well, the the podcast network came first and that was really, um, I was approached by um, a man that I've known for a very long time who was a very big deal in the radio world and then in the podcast world. Um, and he founded and, and built um, Cadence 13 and before selling it a couple of years ago. And he came to me two years ago and said that he had this idea for fiction on podcast and would I be interested in in joining him as a partner and building a network, um, creating fiction for women. And I, as I started to think about this, I realized that one of the things I absolutely loved as a child were radio plays. Um, and I grew up listening to them all the time. And in the car, I remember as a teenager, even not wanting to get out of the car because I was so immersed in these plays. And I thought, well, what if I did a modern version where I serialized them? Um, and, and, of course, I realized that I have this phenomenal network of, of friends who are authors, and we've all got stories in drawers that we never got around to or didn't have time for. And I thought, well, if I start with one and then I start going to, to people I know and asking them for an idea, for an outline, I can attach a script writer and get this developed into a six to eight part series that is acted by a cast of actors, fully soundscaped, completely immersive. Um, and I thought, well, let's let's see how this goes by I'll write the first one. And and I had already dived into writing Sister Stardust, which was set in the late 60s and biographical fiction. And I did so much research into the Rolling Stones for Sister Stardust because they were they were really um, wrapped up in, in Marrakesh in the 60s and with the Gettys, who I was writing about, that um, part of the rabbit, one of the rabbit holes I went down was a Keith Richards rabbit hole. And Keith Richards had this crazy relationship with this very beautiful, very brilliant very chaotic woman who was a model actress in the 60s and 70s called Anita Pallenberg. And there's just one crazy story after another. And I, I found one particular story of when they bought an old farm called Frog Hollow in South Salem, New York in the late 70s. That was so unbelievable um, that I just thought I, I need to borrow this story and expand. And, and that became Rainbow Girl. Oh, that's amazing. So how did you go about 
writing the script? You hired a scriptwriter or you wrote it yourself? Well, I started writing it myself and I wrote the first three episodes myself um, and I kept giving it to my team and they kept sending back notes. And I, do you know, the truth is script writing is a very, very different skill set. I will say now that I spend all my time reading scripts or listening to to audio dramas, I actually now feel that I, I, I am in fact writing writing one by myself. But at that time, I said to the team, listen, they were all being so nice and so polite. <laughs> I said, look, if I had commissioned this from someone and this is what they delivered, I wouldn't accept it. Like I, I recognize my deficiencies. <laughs> this is, and I, you know, I think most novelists can write a script, but there's a very big difference between a script and a great script. And I needed this to be great. And I ended up bringing in this really talented young writer, Tommy Lombardi, um, and he just punched it up and and made it very quick and brought excitement and drama and and really did a wonderful job of taking my words and making them much better. Is there a different skill set in evaluating or writing for audio versus screen? Yeah, that's a great question because that's something I I think I wouldn't have thought of at first and and in fact even as I was writing Rainbow Girl, I think I was writing it more for screen, not really understanding the differences for audio. But with audio, because you're relying solely on your imagination, you want to keep the cast smaller because you don't want to confuse the listener. And you also want to place all of the situations and the scenes in in a place that already has audio. And in fact, one of the things I was reading, and I think this is such a brilliant exercise, they said as a practice, set a scene, tell a story, set a scene with no dialogue, just using sound effects to tell the story. And things like kettles whistling can be very ominous. You can have all sorts of of echoey, shady conversations in a stairwell. Like if you think about where you're setting those scenes, it can really add to the to the story or detract, in fact. So has this made you listen now to, in a totally different way to other yes. scripted podcasts? I, yes, I, I listen in a totally different way. Um, and I also am, am very clear now on on what on the difference between a great script and a script. Whereas I think in the beginning, I didn't know quite so quite, I didn't know in the same way. Like I know this with novels. I've been writing novels for 27 years, it's in my DNA. I can take somebody else's novel and tell you exactly what needs to be done and what's wrong with it because it's just in my DNA. Um, and I feel like I'm nowhere near that with scripts, but I'm I'm definitely getting much more comfortable and beginning to understand what a great script is. Huh. So for Rainbow Girl, do you did you personally cast all the actors? So I have a producer who um, is Garrett Scott, who is absolutely just joyous to work with. Um, she did the shortlist um, and, and found all the actors. And I then came in and picked from the shortlist that I was given. But but it's so hard. It's so hard. You're, you're you know, you're hearing these tapes and um, it, it's just it's it's really hard to know how people will be. Um, I will say, actually, we did a sec. We've done a second show that comes out in December with Jenna Blum, the Key of Love, 
And that's set in 1943 um, in Boston. And it's a a wonderful World War II historical romance. But the actor who plays the main character, um, the, the man, Francis Scott Key, he plays a composer. And what's so funny is that hearing his voice, I knew instantly he was who I wanted. He has this wonderful sort of patrician-like old world voice. <laughs> you know, this, this was how my husband's grandparents spoke. They would, I'm mad for them. Oh, I love your shoes. I'm mad for them. <laughs> um, and he had one of these voices. And then I actually ended up going into the studio during the day that he was recording. And he's like this young, hip actor who's got tattoos and and just speaks nothing like that and that's when you you realize my god these people are so talented wow of course then you're yeah. like where is the old patrician guy and why is he not just trying to be himself well, i'm not i'm not sure that they uh i'm not sure that there are too many of them are that old sort of Boston slash New York accent, which is very English. It's almost more English than it is American. I think that's really gone. You don't hear that anymore. Wait, so Jane, you could have just decided to do a podcast like this yourself and be invested in one, but instead you are partnering on the entire business. Tell me about that decision. This is a, a big departure from novel writing. Well, it it is and it isn't. I will say that before I switched to an agent in America, which was 10 years ago, I ran my old business. And, And UK agenting is very different to American agenting. So in the UK, my agent was... I mean, he was my mentor, my guide, my teacher, my my friend. And we made every decision together. Nothing was discussed that I didn't know about or I wasn't in on the call. If he had a call and I wasn't I wasn't on it. He'd phone me up and say, okay, you know, this is the offer. What do you think? And we'd discuss it. And and I'd say, I think we should do this. And he might say, that's a great idea. He might say, that's a terrible idea. But either way, we collaborated. I had a partner. Um, When I switched to an American agent 10 years ago, I wish I'd known this at the time. It was the single worst thing, worst decision I made in my career because what happens, what I found, and I'm not suggesting this is true of everybody, but what I found was that I was immediately infantilized and kept out of my career. They didn't want me to be involved in my career. They didn't want to have a partner. They wanted to, to, to there was no transparency. Um, and so I stopped being in charge of my career and, and I'd done it really well. I love the business side of things. I actually have Um, I think something of an aptitude for business, although I'm also understanding how much I don't know and how much I have to learn. But the last 10 years, you know, I I watched my career change without having any control over it whatsoever, which I I hadn't been used to. Um, And as publishing changed and I felt that I really wasn't supported, um, I, I think I just, I was going through the motions actually I mean, I still, I'm a storyteller. I'm always going to be a storyteller. I'm a writer, but it just felt that there was, I was working so hard doing everything myself um, with very little support. And I was just ready for a new challenge. Um, And also feeling very strongly that at the age of 54, actually, I'm nowhere near ready to start you know, hanging up my work shoes. I'm just getting started. And by the way, Martha Stewart didn't, didn't have success 
with entertaining. She only became famous in her 50s with through publishing her book, Entertaining. So I keep thinking, Martha did it. I'm going to reinvent myself too. Um, and also, I love collaboration. I think I've been terribly lonely writing books and working by myself. I adore working with other people. I was a little nervous because I can be, certainly with, with people who have worked for me in the past, I can be horrible to work for. I'm very not, I don't, I never lose my temper. I'm not, I'm not a shouter, um, but I'm a micromanager and I've had to learn how to let go of that and how to manage people because I, I, I also, I'm loving working with really talented teams of people and very, very much want everybody that I work with to feel empowered and, and, you know, to, to celebrate them. Um, so I'm having to sort of take my ego out of the equation and understand that, that holding people to my standards is, is that's about ego. That's, that's not, and it's about me and it, it puts myself in the middle. And actually this has nothing to do with me. This is about creating the best product we can create and working with people who, who, who like working together. I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, um, people work with people they like, and I have great equity in the book business, um, which is, is really helping this. And, and now I want to, to continue that equity in the podcast world. I think management, even though, I mean, I did happen to go to business school, but I feel like management is not something that we all necessarily learn enough. I'm because I feel like I have the same thing. I want to be in control of every little thing. It's hard to let go if you have a clear vision too. I think it's, it's hard. It should be like, okay, you've turned 30. Now it's time for your, your tune up. <laughs> now yes. you're 40. There's another class you should take, you know, managing well, people in all aspects is a challenge, but it's so important. It, it is, you know, it's all, it's all relationships, whether it's management, whether it's being a wife, whether it's being a mother, it, it's all relationships, it's all communication. I mean, I feel so strongly that we should have um, lessons in school about how to have relationships with people, how to have, how to be in a friendship, how to communicate, how to, how to, you know, say what you mean, mean what you say, not say it mean, um, you know, just how to be in the world because we don't, there's no blueprint and most of us are messing up every step of the way. And if we're lucky, if we, if we're lucky, we gain enough wisdom to, to not only recognize that, but to have enough humility to, to listen honestly to, to people that we trust around us. And I, I think that is crucial. And I just, I feel enormously lucky because I've landed in the right place with a team of people who are, we're all teaching one another. Um, and it, it's just wonderful to be in that situation at this stage. And and also building something new in the podcast world, which is the Wild West. And this doesn't exist. This kind of, there's a little bit of scripted drama, but it tends to be either for millennials um, or it's for, um, it's very genre, it's sci-fi fantasy, you know, which is great. And I definitely want to be doing that in the future, but there's very little just great stories for women. And, and this is all female led, um, female driven. And I'm just looking to create great immersive stories for women because I, I can't listen to audiobooks, but I, I don't really have time to read anymore. And I 
still wants story. And this, where it's acted and sound effects, and this to me is much more immersive than an audiobook. On an audiobook, if I don't like the narrator's voice, I'm I'm buggered. That's it. And there's too much exposition in fiction for me to listen to. I just get bored. But but plays and audio dramas, those I can listen to. So how are you working with authors? Are you going to authors you know and saying, would you like to write one of these? Or are you saying, do you have an idea for a story and then we'll get a writer for you? It, it's actually both. I mean, the truth is, it is such a different skill set that if if authors want to write their own scripts, I'm happy for them to do it knowing that we we may well have to bring in a, a script doctor to to punch it up at the end um but so there's that and there's also the 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 model of going to authors and saying hey you know i we've all got those stories in drawers or lurking in files on our desktop of the stories that we we woke up one night and had a brilliant idea and we wrote it down and then for whatever reason we didn't have time life got in the way we didn't get around to it we can attach writers who can work with you or, you know, however, whatever works for the author. So we've got various um, different models, but we've got some really big names coming, um, coming to you with some really great shows next year. Can you, can you share any of them? Are they all top secret? Um, they, I can't yet, but we have a fantastic psychological thriller from somebody that you will all know. Um, and I'm really, that's, that is something I'm very excited about. We have a wonderful romance, um, which is features three of the top romance authors in the country. Um, and, uh, um, we, and we're doing an original scripted drama centered around a book club. So we've got all kinds of projects going on. So exciting. So yeah. what is the what is the listening length goal for each of your projects? Is there one? Yeah, it's a, it's about half an hour. It's a you know each episode is about half an hour. So so we're looking at we're developing shows that are anywhere from 6 to to 10 episodes. Um we're also doing some scripted shorts. So I I I have some authors who are fronting shows where they are writing a short, a scripted short story, but they are also recruiting other friends within that genre to write a script. So every week there'll be a different short play, basically around a theme, psychological thrillers, relationships. Um, but it will, uh, we, we right now, it seems the feedback we're getting is the sweet spot is where we are, which is half an hour, but we're learning all the time and so open to feedback. So who knows, we, we may change. Wow. I love how you're bringing in such a wide cast of characters and all these stories to everybody else. It's really amazing. Um, so anything else with Rainbow Girl that people who have just listened might not know? Were there any secrets? Were there any missteps that you had to correct? Any drama internally? Anything that you cut out? <laughs> any behind the um, scenes, any behind the scenes intel you can share? Yeah, there's, there's no, happily, there's no internal drama. We did have, um, we did have an original um, uh, soundtrack, uh, an original song created for the show, which I don't know how this person managed to do it, but they've managed to create something that sounds just like the early Rolling Stones meets meets Led Zeppelin. And I actually, uh, my son is a musician. I did call my son at one point and say, darling, do you think you could just compose something quickly that sounds a bit like the Rolling Stones' Wild Horses? And he's like, mum, if I could do that, 
I would have left university long ago. (laughs) I'm asking him to create like this extraordinary track in a minute. Um, but it's, you know, it's set in it's set in the late 70s. So it's in the world. It's it's outside of New York. It's set in in um Sleepy Hollow, but it's all Studio 54. I went down a big Studio 54 rabbit hole as well and was seriously thinking at one time of writing a book about Studio 54. But it's it's sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Um I I changed, you know, the real story behind it. Uh different people died. Um, it was a, a not dissimilar story, but different people died. And it was at Keith Richards's house in South Salem. Um, but uh, but I, I did use the story as inspiration. And I'm still kind of fascinated by not rock and roll today, but rock and roll when rock and roll was edgy and glamorous and crazy. And the women were beautiful and the groupies and and just it was just this kind of extraordinary world that I find absolutely fascinating so who knows there may be more stories from me on this theme in the future one of these days you're just going to pick up and like run off with a rock band is what's going to happen yeah that that's also entirely possible yes (laughs) unfortunately I don't know the thing is I I don't have my voice is okay it's not great it's I make up what I lack in talent I make up for it with enthusiasm I think that my biggest issue is I don't have the stamina like I do I do one great performance well, I don't know. Maybe you're suggesting I'd run off as a groupie, which is far more likely. Although I'd be the worst groupie in the world because I'd never want to have sex. I just want to get in bed in my nightie and with a, with a book and a cat. I'd be a terrible groupie. I'm sorry. No, no sex. From- <laughs> oh, that's so funny. You do, however, I don't. I can't speak to your singing voice, but your podcast voice is amazing, and I loved hearing your voice in the scripted show as an actress or actor, as they would yeah. say. Um, are you planning on repeat performances of yourself as narrator or um, character? I, possibly, but not not as a standard. I I wrote myself into this script as a as a music journalist narrator writing this sort of tell all book about the Wide Eyed Boys, the band that that feature in both Sister Stardust and Rainbow Girl. Um, but I will because Emerald Audio is my network. Um, you know I adore this American life and actually my secret crush for years has been Ira Glass and I just I think I fell in love with his voice and when he does the intro and the outro on this American life it just makes me happy I feel warm (laughs) and so I just I think that this is this is my goal so I won't necessarily play the narrator but I will be voicing the ads and we have better help as our sponsor for Rainbow Girl um, and I think I will be voicing this sort of intro and outro to to every show. Interesting. I love it. Um, is there anyone on your wish list for who's going to, what kind of story or um, an author uh, yes. you want or anything? Yes. I uh, I really, really want Lisa Jewell. Mm. I really want Lisa Jewell to write something for me. And I, Lisa and I have been friends for 27 years. I mean, we were we were baby authors together. We wrote our first books at the same time. We had the same publishing team and we were neighbors. Um, and I know she's listening to Rainbow Girl, but she's so busy. But I'm like, please, please, <laughs> please. Um, I do have a few others. I would love Adriana Trigiani to do something for me. Um, but I'm I'm 
I'm, it's really lovely now, actually, because I've been approaching people and I'm starting to have people come to me, um, which is great. And I'm, I'm just, I love good stories and I, I just want to bring, to bring more people well, and to allow the busy women to multitask, because that's really what this is doing. You know, it's just, just as, as soap operas started in the fifties for the 1950s housewife who was so busy cooking and cleaning, she couldn't stop to watch her favorite television show. So they created radio dramas and they were sponsored by soap companies. And that's how soap operas, um, became a thing. And and I think here we are full circle, 70 years later, but with today's woman also so busy for different reasons. She's not necessarily cooking and cleaning, although she might be, but she's juggling kids and jobs and side hustles and friends and everything else and exercise. And, and who has the time? None of us has the time. And there's nothing better for me than just tuning into a great story while I'm going about my day. I love it. Moms don't have time to read books. Moms don't have time to do anything. (laughs) And and speaking of which, so so now is the time to shout out that Zibby is the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, which I've been lucky enough to to be on a couple of times. Um, Wonderful podcast. You should all be listening. Zibby, thank you so much for joining us and for asking me these questions. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. This is Jane Green. If you have questions for us about Rainbow Girl or have any comments on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at rainbowgirl at emeraldaudio.net. Again, that's rainbowgirl at emeraldaudio.net. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Emerald Audio Network. Rainbow Girl is a production of Emerald Audio in association with Gemini 13, based on a story by Jane Green, written by Jane Green and Tommy Lombardi, produced and directed by Garrett Scott for Real Jetpacks Productions, theme music by Tyler Cash, featuring the voices of Quincy Dunbaker, Dan Bittner, Tim Dadabo, Jane Green, Jake Hart, Mitchell Hogue, Ryan Cooperman, Tam Mutu, Sarah Natacheni, Sandra Okuboyejo, Jeremy Carlisle Parker, Deborah Rain, Max Roll, Emily Schaefer, and Harry Smith. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Paul Goodrich. Sound editing by Justin Kilpatrick. Executive producers Jane Green, Spencer Brown, and Mark Francis. Special thanks to Charles Steinhauer, Scott Waxman, Jacob Bronstein, David Bibby, and Travis Bell. <laughs>